Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Ruth chapter 4, the book of Ruth chapter 4. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Now, if you're listening for the first time, make sure you listen to our prior studies in Ruth chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and here we are in chapter 4. Remember where we left off last week. Well, you know, if you're a new listener, before listening to the book of Ruth, go back and listen to our studies through the book of Judges. Very important to understand. But here we are in Ruth chapter 4. And where we left off last week in chapter 3, it's morning. And Ruth and Naomi are together in Naomi's home where there is grain. But what Ruth is doing is Ruth is reporting the events of that evening to her mother-in-law, to Naomi. And Naomi tells her to be patient because Naomi knows that Boaz is going to settle the matter. And, you know, she says, you know, this day he will conclude the matter of the closer kin. And that's where we left off last week in, in chapter 3. It's morning. And so in that same day, look at what we see here in verse 1, Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Now, remember, these are old school days. This is back in the day where today we're so spoiled, you know, because we have texting and emails and social media and phones. You know, we can make these phone calls. But back in the day, hey, they don't have that. You see? And so like, you know, if you want to talk with somebody back in the day and they're not home, you have to wait for them. And that's what Boaz is doing at the gate. He sat down at the gate and he waited. Now, this might seem like no big deal at the surface, but already this is a big deal because Boaz is a man of wealth. Remember in our prior studies, Boaz is a man of wealth and among the wealthy, time, time. That's a very valuable commodity. I mean, it still is today where today... A person might spend a couple hours watching a movie, several movies, or several shows, but to the wealthy person, the wealthy person doesn't have that luxury of those blocks of time. You know, they, they just don't have it, nor do they want it because of weightier matters of responsibility. They just can't sit down and watch two hours of a movie because those two hours of movie, because of, because of responsibilities that they have. And that's typically tied to those of wealth because of these responsibilities. And we cannot lose sight of this because it's very important to understand that with Boaz, you know, you, you, the matters of great importance for anybody, but for Boaz in particular, matters of great importance for him as a wealthy man, for Boaz to go to the gate and sit down. And to take a block of time for her, however long it took. Remember, he says, I'm going to settle this matter. He told that to Ruth. He says, I'm going to settle this. And then uh, Naomi reassures Ruth that, you know, Boaz, you know, he's a man of integrity. He's going to do what he says. He's going to handle business. He's going to settle this. And so for Boaz to go to the gate and sit and wait, that's a big deal to the wealthy person. I mean, it's a big deal to anybody, but for the wealthy person, that they, they just don't have that luxury of time to take 20 minutes. 20 minutes to a wealthy person is a huge, huge, huge block of time, and the wealthy person doesn't have the luxury of 20 minutes. The, the wealthy person doesn't have the luxury of an hour. It's very important to have this perspective because when it comes to this matter of great importance, the matter that Boaz committed that he would settle, it shows us 
priority. It shows us what he places in priority for him to go and sit and take that block of time. It could have taken five minutes. It could have taken five hours. But he sat there and he waited. Why? Because there was something of great importance to him. And what was of great importance to him was the matter of Ruth. You see? The matter of Ruth. Because remember what he told Ruth in the evening about the closer kin. He says, but if he does not want to perform the duty for you, and he says to Ruth, then I, I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. And this is a matter of great importance to Boaz. You see, a matter of great importance to him where there is a desire for covering upon Ruth. But the greater desire is for the Lord to be honored. Remember when Boaz told Ruth, yes, I will, I will do as you say, except there's one issue. There's a closer kin. You see? And it's so beautiful because what Boaz does, and yes, he has this desire that, yes, I will perform these, what you, what you seek, Ruth, I will perform it. But there's a closer kin. And it's so beautiful because Boaz has his desire, but his desire, <clears throat> it takes a backseat to the desire of the Lord and the desire to honor the Lord and what the Lord has prescribed in his word. You see? And so the closer kin, Boaz, he's sitting down, he goes to the city gate and, you know, he's sitting down, the closer kin, he sees him and then, you know, he's walking by and he sees him and then notice what happens. So Boaz says, or Bo so Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. In verse two, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And it's very important to understand that in these times, the city gates were where the hustle bustle was. It was a, a, a business hub where people would buy and sell and trade and legal matters would be handled. Elders would be present to handle the legal matters. Kind of think of it like a, like a, a city center, so to speak. And usually in some towns, a lot of towns were in the city center. You have like, you know, the city courthouse and you have like, you know, legal stuff in a, in a city area. Well, it's something very similar at the city gates here. And that's what's happening here in this hustle bustle, you know, at the city gate. And Boaz has the, the, the closer kin, has, has him sit seated. And then he takes the 10 elders and has them sit as well. And we see here in verse three, then he said to the close relative, Naomi, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. Now, remember, Naomi, she has no male covering. Her husband has died. She cannot join to her sons because they've died as well. And cleave to her is Ruth, who also has no male covering. And this selling of land is equivalent to like, you know, like asset liquidation, which is common among, you know, surviving spouses. Even to this day, it's something very similar to that, the asset liquidation. And Boaz is, you know, has all these men seated and he explains to them what is happening or what has happened and what is happening. And in verse four, we see this. Boaz continuing to speak, he says, and I thought to inform you saying, 
buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. So this is like biblical, like a, like a, like acquisition. And I don't like using these business terms, but that's what, that's what we see happening. It's like a acquisition and what Boaz is presenting to the closer kin and the elders. But also there's something more important happening. It's in accordance to the teachings of the law. Boaz is following the statutes of the law. And Boaz continues. And he says, if you redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So the closer kin responds in the affirmative. Yes, I will redeem it. And notice what happens here in verse 5. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. I mean, before it was a simple acquisition, you know, and the closer kin said yes. And I don't like saying acquisition because it sounds too businessy. But that's what's happening here. Remember, in the law, remember, we just got done studying Torah. You know, the five books of Moses. And, you know, Leviticus, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And there are rules. There are statutes in place. That addresses the goings on of everyday life and, you know, and not just the goings on, the goings on of everyday life, but at the same time, instruction. What is it that is pleasing to the Lord? And in the judges generation where we see happening the, the events in the book of Ruth, there was something endemic among the people where everyone is doing right in their own eyes. And Boaz. He's following the statutes. Ruth, following the statutes. Now, Ruth as Gentile, there's a certain aspect of the unknown. But then you see Naomi giving her instruction in accordance to what is pleasing to the Lord. You see? Keep in mind, they're not priests. And I don't want to say like this is the average Joe and the average Jane because you look at there's nothing average about them at all. They're following the Lord. They're not doing what is right in their own eyes. They're doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. They're making a cognizant choice, you see. And so before, when it was like a, 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 a simple matter of like a, 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 a acquisition, and I don't like saying it like that. And the closer kin says, yeah, you know, the land, sure. But now there's more to the picture. Now there's more to the picture because there's another party. And when we remember the laws about inheritance, marriage is now part of that equation. So what was previously thought of as acquisition, now it's Merger and acquisition. And I don't like using these business terms, you know, merger, you know, M&A, M&A, merger and acquisition. But at the same time, we have to see it for what it is because it's not just about land. Now there are people associated to these lands based on what we see in terms of the, 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 the laws and statutes of inheritance. And Boaz is the one who's bringing this up to the closer kin where before when it was about the land, it was like, the guy, sure, you know, I'll take the land. 
But now there's there's more to that. To, 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 there's more to the acquisition, which reveals merger and acquisition. And when I say merger, I'm speaking of like lineage, merger. Acquisition of land, merger of kin, and this is through marriage. And it's the perpetu- it's the reason is to perpetuate the name of the dead through inheritance. And this is these are statutes of the law. This is what the Lord has put in place in the law. You see? And Moses, you know, the law of Moses, the law of Moses, the law of Moses. Don't forget the law given to Moses by the Lord. And then you see like the Ten Commandments and then you see Ten Commandments. But at the same time, you see like all these statutes in place to address all these issues. But at the same time, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape or form because, you know, remember they asked Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. What is the greater law? He says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart. But then at the same time, to love people. And on these two hang all the law and the prophets. Don't forget and the prophets, and the prophets, and the prophets. Don't forget. Because the prophets have something to say about the law. The prophets have something to say about the loopholes of the law. And when the prophets present the, the loopholes of the law, how is that how is that reconciled? Well, you go and listen to our study through Galatians. You go and listen to our study through Hebrews. And you'll see how it's reconciled. The fulfillment of the law, Jesus Christ. You see? And so the closer kin now, he realizes that, wait, this isn't just land here. This isn't just, you know, land acquisition. And now let's see what happens here in verse 6. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. He says, you redeem my right of redemption for yourself for I cannot redeem it. So now the next in succession is Boaz. You see? And now what we see happen, you know, in, in, in witness of the elders, it's so beautiful. We see here in verse 7, now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning, c- concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, remember, this is like the hustle bustle. This is at the, like the, the city center, the city gate. But, you know, when you say city center, it's kind of like to, to liken it. You, you know, where you live, where you presently live, you might have a, a city center nearby. And in the city center is the hustle bustle. You see shops, you see businesses, you see areas where people buy and sell and trade. You might see courthouses. You see all these things. And that's very similar what's happening here at the city gates. And you have uh, the, the closer kin is seating, uh, seated, see, see, sitting down, and then the, the, the elders are sitting down, and they're hearing this matter, but then there's people walking by, there's people selling and trading, it's like the, the townspeople, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people in earshot, he says, you are witnesses this day. You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's. And? All that was Kilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. 
You see what's happening? Naomi had sold the piece of land that belonged to her husband, Elimelech, and Boaz bought it back. But what he also did is he also brought from Naomi all that was her sons as well. And in verse 10, moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife. This is Boaz speaking. Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife. To perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may, ne- may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. Notice statutes in the law. Statutes in the law. Things that we have studied already. Remember when we, when we were in the Old Testament? Have you been walking with us for a while? When we were studying the Old Testament? And it's like, you know, when we made mention quite a bit. We made mention of, you know, we have this base plate of the Old Testament. We have this base plate of Torah. And now that we have this base plate of Exodus and Leviticus and this base plate of Numbers and Deuteronomy, you're going to see how the Lord, when people, you're going to see people honor the Lord and you're going to see people dishonor the Lord. And you're going to know why the Lord does what he does because of this base plate of Torah. And in the judge's generation, when people are doing right in their own eyes, you see Boaz doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. You see Ruth doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. You see Naomi teaching Ruth about what is right in the eyes of the Lord. You see, these aren't priests. These aren't prophets. These aren't prophetesses. And I don't want to refer to them as the average Joe and the average Jane because there's nothing average about them at all. You see? It's so beautiful because, you know, a lot of times there's like, there's major emphasis on Moses, you know, the the, the teachings of Moses. And it's not to nullify Moses at all. Remember, leadership matters. But what is it that Moses taught? You see, or there's emphasis placed on, you know, pastors. But what is it? Emphasis on Paul, emphasis on James, emphasis on Peter and leadership absolutely matters. But at the same time, what is it that these men speak? What is it that they teach? You see, it's not just, I mean, say, for example, there's Pastor Paul. We we go get in my time machine. We go back in the day and there's Pastor Paul. Is it godly to go inside where Paul is teaching and just sit there and just, you know, if if Paul's going to teach for a couple hours, is it righteous to sit there and then, you know, when he's done, okay, we leave, we go back home and okay, you know, we we did our two hours, we did our, we, we got our two hours in. Is that righteous? What is it that Paul teaches? You see? Because we go in, we sit down, and what Paul teaches, it goes in our little tiny ear holes. It goes in our little tiny ear holes, and it goes right down to our heart. And when it's in our heart, we do. Because Paul is teaching righteousness, instruction in righteousness. You see? Instructions are meant to be followed. 
It's not osmosis. It's not, you know, we go in, we sit for a couple hours and, you know, Pastor Paul is teaching and we go in and by osmosis, it just like, you know, soaks into our skin and makes us holy, makes us righteous. No, the word of God goes in our little tiny ear holes and the word of God can go in our ear hole and out the other ear hole. But among the righteous, the word of God goes in our little ear holes and it goes right down to our heart. And just as the heart pumps blood to all areas of the body, when the word of God is in our heart, it gets pumped to all areas of our body. It gets pumped to our hands. It gets pumped to our feet. It gets pumped to our eyes. It gets pumped to our ears. Not being hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. And I don't like referring to Boaz and Ruth and Naomi as the average, because you look at that, I mean, with carnal eyes, if we, if we were to be at the town center, if, if, if we were to be in the town, if we were to like, you know, climb on top of a building or climb on top of a tree and look down and you see like all these people, you, you, you wouldn't be able to tell because, okay, there's a guy here, kind of old. There's a lady over here, kind of young. There's another lady over here, kind of old. And they just look like everybody else. They just look like everybody else. They're just walking by, okay, guy here, guy there, okay. Lady over here, okay. Young lady, old lady, okay. Everybody just, you know. With carnal eyes, you look and say, okay, they're just average. But with eyes to see, with eyes to see, you realize there's something different about these people. There's something different about that old guy. What's his name? That's Boaz. There's something different about that young lady. What's her name? That's Ruth. There's something different about that old lady. What's her name? Naomi. There's something different about them. Where with carnal eyes, it's like, well, they're just average. But with eyes to see, you realize, whoa. They're different. They're set apart. They're consecrated. And in an era of time when everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes, you see these people, they are doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And these statutes that were put in place in the law that perpetuates family lineage, even when there's death. Don't forget, Elimelech, Elimelech died. The two sons of Naomi died. And yet you see the perpetual moving of this lineage of family. And in verse 11, and all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who was coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephratah and be famous in Bethlehem. Let's read that again. May you prosper in Ephratah and be famous in Bethlehem. Let's read it one more time. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And yet one more time. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And to be famous in the Hebrew is to be proclaimed as honorable. It's not famous like, you know, oh, he's going to be like, you know, it's not famous like, like it is in the world. No, this is to be proclaimed as honorable. And the people acknowledge the honor of Boaz. And they want continued honor. And that is a good thing. And for me, you know what's so beautiful about Boaz? 
is that the people are acknowledging him. You know, the, 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 it's the hustle bustle. They're at the city gate. It's the hustle bustle. And the, 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 the elders are witness. The, the closer kin is witness. But the people walking by, they're witness. And, you know, they acknowledge. They say, you know, may you prosper in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. And, you know, the, the, the people, they want this honor upon Boaz. And that's not a bad thing at all. But what's so beautiful about Boaz is that honor is not for show. Honor is not for show. Honor is not hypocritical. The honor of Boaz is real. Because that very morning, before, you know, when, when he was sitting down waiting, when you have a man of wealth and he's sitting down and he's waiting, Nobody knew the manner that he was to speak, you know, the, the, the matter of business. Nobody knew the manner of business that he wanted to talk about. This quasi-merger and acquisition, so to speak. And I only say that so that we can understand what is happening. And we say acquisition, yes, property. When we say merger, it's family lineage. Nobody knew what, was, what Boaz was going to speak about. And because nobody knew, does that mean that Boaz has no honor? No, he's a beautiful man. He has honor. And yeah, you know, when he said what he said and the people are acknowledging, may you prosper in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem, you know, yes, you know, all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make you make you, make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, who the two who built the house of Israel and may you prosper in Ephrata. And be famous in Bethlehem. Yes, they acknowledge, they proclaim his him as honorable. But before they knew the the matter of business, Boaz, he was already honorable. When nobody knew, he was already honorable. Nobody knew the matter the matter of business. There's no hypocrisy. He's real. His character before the Lord, it's not fake. It's real. It's genuine. Remember when he was, the previous night, he was alone with the younger woman, remember? And the younger woman presented herself to him, asking him to cover her. And there are things that he could have done. He could have skirted the law and just done what was right in his own eye. He could have. And, you know, doing what was right in their own eye, that is what the majority was accustomed to doing. And he could have done that. And being alone with the younger woman, he could have done that. But he didn't. He did not. A man of honor. Desiring to honor the Lord. And I hate bringing up what could have happened that previous night. I hate bringing up what could have happened with the man and the woman. Because just like we said last week, I don't want any negative light to come near these two beautiful people. But we have to keep this in mind. We have to see what's happening here. Remember, these are priests and prophetess. And I don't like saying they're just the average Joe and the average Jane because when we have eyes to see and we, we look closer at the heart, there's nothing average about these people. Carnally speaking, you could look at 
You could look at Boaz and remember the perverted priest in our study in, in the book of Judges. Remember the perverted priest who had his wife as concubine? You know what concubine is? That's sexual slave. The perverted priest who has his concubine wife. And on top of that, what does he do? He literally threw his wife to the wolves. And she was killed, raped that night, gang raped that night. Remember our study in the book of Judges? Very terrible things that we looked at in the book of Judges. Very sad things. And the Lord is witness. The Lord sees. Carnally speaking, you could look at Boaz and you could look at the priest. You could look at Boaz. You could look at the Levite. And think, surely the Levite is more holy because he knows his stuff. He was trained in the ways of the priesthood. He was trained in the way of the Levitical priesthood. And he has a responsibility to teach us and make sure that we're right before the Lord. And oh yeah, he's a man of God. He's a man of God. But look what that wicked priest did. Look at what he did. Do you think that priest alone with a female, do you think he would honor the Lord? You see? Carnally speaking, you would look at Boaz, you, could, you would look at priest, carnally speaking, and one might think, oh, the righteous is with the priest, the priest is righteous, the priest is righteous. Now, the priest is supposed to, supposed to be. The priest is supposed to be. But that's a choice. God doesn't make robots. You see? It's very interesting because in the law, the rules in the law where the Lord says that he will speak to the people through the high priest. But then we get into, you know, certain books. We get into the, 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 uh, the Samuels. And you have a priest. You have priests. You have high priests. And according to the law, the Lord would speak to the people through the high priest. But you know what is written in 1 Samuel? There was silence in those days. The Lord was silent in those days. And the Lord wasn't speaking to the high priest. You see? The Lord spoke to a young prophet. You see? Very interesting what we see happening. But the, the, the law of Moses says the Lord is going to speak through the priest, through the priest, through the priest. Well, what happens when the priests turn crazy? What happens when the priests turn defunct? You see? What happens when the priests no longer honor the Lord? What happens when the priests are, are, are perverted? What happens when the priests worship idols? Remember Micah's priest, another Levite? But the law says that the, the priesthood, the priesthood, the priesthood, the law says that the Lord's going to speak to the priesthood and all these things is through the priesthood. Yeah. What happens when the priesthood turns, turns crazy? And then you see the prophets. The Lord goes to the prophets. The Lord skips over the priesthood and goes to the prophets. You see? Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And in the case of Isaiah, remember in Isaiah chapter one, your sacrifices, thus saith the Lord, your sacrifices are meaningless. Whoa. 
You look at the writings of Moses, you look at the law where it's like, well, sacrifice or these, these you know, offerings unto the Lord. This is like so beautiful. And then you look at Isaiah chapter one, it's like, it's meaningless. It's nothing. And when you look at those two realities, those two truths at face value, it's like, how can this be? How can sacrifice be good here? And how can sacrifice be bad here? How can it be good in one area? How can it be bad in another area? How is it reconciled? You look at the people. And when you look at the people, what do you see? Uncleanness. But the people are supposed to be clean. They're supposed to be clean. How do they get clean? The priesthood. So why are the people unclean? Well, look at the priesthood. They are also unclean. And remember, only the clean can clean. You see? You say, oh, that's just Old Testament. That's just Old Testament. We're a people of the New Covenant. And I like to read the New Testament, the New Testament, the New Testament. Listen, I get that. But the formula is exactly the same. Look at the defunct pastors, the defunct elders of Corinth. Look what happened. Uncleanness, leaven. Same thing. And in these last days, you have pastors everywhere. Everywhere. Remember with Paul, he says you have 10,000 teachers, but one father. You see? And in these last days, there's pastors everywhere on every street corner. And I say that on purpose on every street corner. You see pastors everywhere. You see. I meant. When you look at the events of the last days. Tribulation, perilous times, times of sorrows. And then you look at God's promises. How is it reconciled? When God promises peace, when God promises hope, when God promises beautiful, 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 good things. And you look at the, the events of the last days, the prophesied events of the last days. It's like, well, wait, this, this is a peace. What's hopeful about this? This is a peace. Death and destruction. What, what, what's happening? How is it reconciled? You look at the people. Uncleanness. Wickedness abounds. But we have pastors on every street corner. How are the people unclean when there's pastors everywhere? There's churches everywhere. How are the, how are the people unclean? Look at the pastors. Look at the so-called shepherds. They are also unclean. You see? But the Lord teaches the people. The Bible says the Lord teaches the people through these shepherds. Don't forget what the word of God teaches us. Shepherds becoming wolves. Remember Acts chapter 20? Overseers. Tasked by the Holy Spirit to oversee. And Paul says, I know this, that after my departure, the wolves are going to come in. And even from among you, you'll be wolves. 
Now, Paul's not, you know, Mr. Big Shot, he's not saying, well, you know, when I'm here, you know, this is going to happen because when I leave, this is going to happen. He's not, it's not Mr. Big Shot, but Paul knows his stuff. Paul lives his life in submission to the Lord. Paul is full package. Not a lot of things could get by Paul. When the Pseudodelphos, the false brethren, came into Galatia, they pulled the saints away from the... And Paul was like straight up, you know, I'm blown away, you guys. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. He says, I'm blown away that you're turning away so soon from Christ. I'm blown away. I marvel that you turn away so soon from Christ. Why were they seduced like that? Because the false brethren. Remember our study in Galatians? Go back and listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand more. And Paul says, you know, yeah, these guys can have their degrees. They can go to these seminaries. They can have all these schools of thought and presume that they have understanding. Makes no difference to me. I don't care who they are. Makes no difference to me. That's what Paul says. That's the gist of what he says. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says. They can come. They can dress how they want. They can have their degrees and flash this and flash that. That's nice. What do they say? What do they teach? Does it align with the word of God? Does it align with the full counsel of the word of God, Genesis to Revelation? Because if the answer is no, hey, now there's other issues to factor in. You see? Because... The guy just might not know. Or he might be a wolf intending to kill. You see? And when you look at Boaz and Ruth, that evening on the threshing floor, they were together, man, woman. And yes, carnal things could have happened, but it didn't. They each made a choice. They each individually a sweet aroma unto the Lord. Even when no one was watching. It speaks of their honor and integrity before the Lord. In the judge's generation when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And with carnal eyes, it's like, well, just an average Joe and an average Jane. No, no, no. With eyes to see and ears to hear, we know there's nothing average about this guy. There's nothing average about this gal. You see? And here in chapter 4, the people here, the ch chapter 4 of Ruth, the people, they acknowledge the honor of Boaz. But they don't even know about the previous evening. We do. And God does. And God has captured it in the canon of Scripture because He wants us to know. He wants us to see. He wants us to understand this honor of Boaz, this honor of Ruth, this honor of Naomi. It's genuine. It's real. It's not fake. It's not hypocritical. They're not hypocrites. This is the real deal. You see? They're not Levites. Oh, but the priesthood, the priesthood, the priesthood. Okay, yeah. What happens when the priests go crazy? What happens when the priests want to worship idols? What, ha what happens when the priests want to do their sex? Oh, but he's married, he's married. Yeah, his wife is concubine, sexual slave. He's perverted. You see? 
And that's what happened with Ezekiel. Ezekiel, when the Lord calls Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was like, look, Lord, I'm paraphrasing. Look, Lord, you have these elders, you have these priests, use them. And the Lord says, okay, let me show you. You think this guy's a priest? Okay, let me show you. And the Lord takes him to a, a certain area and gives him a vision and says, okay, Ezekiel, put your finger in the wall here. And so Ezekiel puts his finger in the wall, makes a little hole, and the Lord says, okay, go, look. Look in that little hole that you just put your finger in. Look in that little hole. And so Ezekiel looks in the little hole, and he sees the priests, he sees the religious leaders, the ones who he thought was holy. He thought all these people, the priesthood, all looked at Kohanim, the Levitical priesthood. He thought all that, Lord, Lord, use them. Don't use me. Don't use me. Use them. And the Lord says, okay, you think these guys, you think I can use these people? Okay, let me show you something. Look in the hole. Ezekiel looks in. He sings all kind of sex, debauchery, worship of the sun. Worship of creation and not of the creator. He sees all these things. Oh, look, you know, he, he goes outside. He, Ezekiel, he sees the, the priest walking. He sees the priest over here walking. He sees the priest over here walking. And the Lord shows him in a vision. You think that's a priest? No, that's a freak show. You think this guy's a priest? Let me show you about this guy. He's a freak show. He wants to worship the sun? Worship the sun? I mean, if you're listening and you're doing your yoga, repent and don't do yoga. Sun salutation. Read Ezekiel. You'll see what the Lord thinks about sun salutation. Oh, but it's trendy. It's trendy. I do my hot yoga. That's nice. Repent. You see? Oh, but I want to get to my knees and I want to do my stretches. No, get to your knees and repent. Repent. While the Lord may be found, repent. Don't do the sun salutation. Oh, but I'm doing what is right. I think it's right. I think it's right. You're too hardcore. You're too hardcore. Okay. It's like the judge's generation. Everybody doing right what in his own eyes. Everybody doing what is right in his or her own eyes. Just like we see in the era of judges. But in these last days, where is Boaz? Where can Boaz be found? In these last days, where can Ruth be found? In these last days, where can Naomi be found? You see? Oh, but they just look like averages. A guy over here, a lady over here, a guy over here, lady over here, young guy, old guy, young lady, old lady. They're all over the place. But when you have eyes to see and ears to hear and, you and wisdom and discernment, you realize, whoa. There's nothing average about that guy. There's nothing average about that lady. And these are things that the Lord sees. The Lord sees. Oh, but I'm all alone. I'm all alone. Oh, but we're all alone. We're all alone. The Lord sees. You see? And so the people here in Ruth 4... They're proclaiming this. They're acknowledging the honor of Boaz. And it's good. It's not a bad thing. But even without them proclaiming this, even without them shouting this, even without them wanting these blessings upon Boaz, 
he was already beautiful. Just like we studied last week. You look at Ruth. And yeah, you know, she has her, her, her anointing oil. She has, she's in a dress. And yeah, she's beautiful. But with eyes to see, she was beautiful in chapter one. She was already beautiful. You see, Boaz, already beautiful. Naomi, even in her pain, even in her hurt. Yes, she lost her husband. But a deeper pain, she lost her children, her two sons. And even in that pain, beautiful. You see? And the Lord sees. These are things that the Lord wants us to know. He wants you to know. Very important to understand what the Word of God says, what the Word of God teaches. And just like Paul says, all these things of old were written for our admonition, for our warning, so that we can know. And so the people as witnesses at the gate, it continues here in verse 12. May your house be like, like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. So beautiful. I'm so in love with Boaz. I'm so in love with Ruth. I'm so in love with Naomi. Beautiful, beautiful souls. And so look what happens here in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth. Now, so Boaz took Ruth. Some women might get pretty angry at this. You know, how, how dare he, he take her like she's a piece of property? How dare, you know, so Boaz took Ruth. How dare he do that? Now, the Hebrew word here is lakach in the Hebrew. You know what it is? It's to carry away. It's to carry away. That's what it is, to carry away. Now, we must also understand formula. As with all scripture, and when the formula is right, when the formula is right, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But being carried away sounds pretty lovely. You see? Being carried away by Boaz. Being carried away by this man. Sounds pretty beautiful to me. Sometimes women, you know, and, it, you know, for my sisters listening, I love you. I love you. Being carried away when the formula is right, that's safe. And I don't say that in like a, you know, how dare you say you, you, you male chauvinist, you male chauvinist. No, I say this as the bride of Christ. Because one glorious day, you and me will also be carried away by the bridegroom. You see? And I get it sometimes when women are just so fed up with men. Oh, you men this, you men that. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm in agreement because, I mean, if the Lord were to ask me, you know, assemble an army for the last days. Assemble warriors for the last days. I would have like a whole bunch of women and like two guys. Because a lot of men are compromised. 
because of the own choices they make with their sex, their pornography, their gambling, their Ouija boards, all kinds of different things. But if you're female and you're listening, this is to understand what the Word of God teaches. He took Ruth like she's a piece of property. He took her. When you look at Lachach in the Hebrew, to be carried away. Look at the beautiful formula in Boaz. Oh, down with the patriarchy, down with the patriarchy, down with the patriarchy. And, you know, sometimes I have these conversations with the feminists. And even the feminists in the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, you have this mentality among women of like, oh, these men are dumb, these men are dumb, look at all these stupid here, stupid here. And yes, I agree in a lot of ways. Dumb men, stupid men. But for my sisters, you have to protect your heart. You have to understand and follow what the Word of God teaches, just like Chloe did. Just like Chloe, and I'm so in love with Chloe. Picture all the churches in Corinth and Chloe understanding and knowing formula as taught to her by Paul. And Paul teaches her, and you know, he, he taught everybody. What Chloe learned is what everybody learned, except with Chloe, she stuck to it. She adhered to strong doctrine, to sound doctrine. And when the church became crazy, she goes in one church. Wow, you know what? I can't, I, I can't. It's not just a matter of conscience. I can't submit to this pastor. No, it's a matter of conscience, yes, but it's also a matter of understanding formula. It's the sex, the alcohol, the extortion in this church. Why is the pastor saying nothing? I can't submit to this guy. She goes to the next church. I can't submit to this guy. Oh, but the word says to submit to the pastor. The word says to submit to the pastor. Yeah. And when you understand formula, the word of God says to submit to the right pastor. Because the right pastor, he's going to teach you. He's going to pour into you. He's going to train you. He's going to equip you. You see? And you have a lot of women today that, are like, oh, you know, this pastor's so crazy. He wants to do his sex. He wants to do his drugs. He wants to do his alcohol. And this pastor over here, he's crazy. He wants to do this. He's, this pastor over here, he's crazy. And what's happening in these last days where the woman says, okay, if this pastor wants to be crazy, then I'm going to be pastor. You see, that's not right. Pastors in the Bible are always male. Covering is always male. Always. And you're seeing these churches, which it starts out like a good thing. It starts out good because it's like there's, there's the opening of the eyes and the realizing like, wow, this guy's crazy. Wow, this guy's crazy. Wow, this guy's crazy. And you have women saying, okay, you want to be crazy? Now I'm going to be pastor. You see, I'm going to teach the Bible. And I'm going to teach the Bible to men. I'm going to be the covering over these men. No, 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 no. You cannot do that. Coverings in the Bible are always male. You see? What did Chloe do? She had her home fellowship of females, women, and children. You see? Sometimes I have these conversations with women. The feminists in the church... I don't like that. I don't like that. Listen, it's what the word of God says. 
But I want to be pastor. I want to be pastor. It's, whoa, don't forget Lois. Don't forget uh, uh, Eunice and Lois. Training the next generation of pastors in Little Timmy. Remember? Remember our study? How many times do we mention that training the next generation, pouring into the children, pouring into sons? And little Timmy. All of a sudden, little Timmy is cleaved to Paul. And Paul trains him and teaches him, continues in that training and equipping. And little Timmy turns into big Timmy. And big Timmy becomes deadly. The good deadly. And then he's pastor. You see? Something so beautiful that started with the female covering of mama and grandma. You see? And it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart for my sisters in Christ because I get it. I understand. You look around, there's craziness everywhere. But the formula must be right in you. Because the bridegroom is coming. And even when the bridegroom, you know, should he tarry? There's promises for we who sleep. Don't forget. But in these last days, even more so because perilous times aren't coming. Perilous times, they're already here. And so when we look at verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth. And if you're my sister in Christ, and I love you. And it kind of like, you know, rubs against the grain a little bit. How dare Boaz take Ruth? Well, when you understand formula, Boaz carrying away Ruth. (laughs) Call me crazy. But that's beautiful. You see, because the formula in Boaz is right. The formula in Ruth is right. You see? We're at the first meeting. Remember when Boaz, you know, at the first meeting when the two met. And Boaz says to Ruth, stay with me. Stay with me. Stay in my field. Of all the fields you have to choose from, stay with me. And then down the road, a future meeting, Ruth says to Boaz, cover me. And Boaz acknowledges her own honor and character. And he says to her that, yes, you could have gone to another field. You could have gone to a younger man, but you stayed with me. And as the Lord lives, I will do. But there's this matter of a closer kin, what we're looking at here in verse 4. You see, his desires, the desires of Boaz, and her desires, the desires of Ruth, They became nothing. The desires of Boaz and the desires of Ruth, they became nothing for the Lord's desire to be preeminent and fulfilled. You see? Yeah, Ruth has her desires, but above that, the Lord's will. Yeah, Boaz has his desires, but above that, the Lord's will. You see? The preeminence of the Lord. Notice, not priest, not prophetess, just the average Joe and the average Jane with carnal eyes, but we put on our spiritual eyes and we realize, whoa, 
That guy is definitely not average. That lady, definitely not average. You see? And in this love story that is unfolding and has unfolded and continues to unfold in this love story, we can also see the greater love story. And it's God. Ruth and her love for the Lord. Boaz and his love for the Lord. You see? When we think about all the what could have happened, you see, Ruth, she could have stayed in Moab. Remember chapter one? She could have stayed in Moab. She could have went to another man's field. She could have sought the younger man. And then what could have happened when the two were alone together? Yeah, things could have happened. But through it all, we see nothing but holiness. You see? Nothing but holiness. And we see here in verse 13, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. You see, the two become one in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. And now Ruth has a little baby boy and through this little baby boy, male, the lineage that was once broken continues. <laughs> you see what the Lord is doing? And in verse 14, then the women, the women, they said to Naomi, then the women said to Naomi, Naomi now, this is the woman that Ruth, Gentile, had clung to, Hebrew. The woman that Ruth had clung to, the women of the town, they say to beautiful Naomi, old woman Naomi, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Naomi, who had lost her two sons, brokenhearted, broken for that matter. Look at what they say to her. The women, they said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you. Now pause here for a moment. Well, don't hit pause, but let's just stop here for a moment. I want to say something to my beautiful sisters listening who have experienced the death of a child. I don't know of a greater pain than losing a child. A mother losing a child. I don't know of a greater pain. I say broken of Naomi, brokenheartedness of Naomi, but it's even deeper. It's just shattering, just completely broken. Heart, body, mind, soul, the loss of a child. And in the case of Naomi, two sons. I don't know of a greater pain than the death of a child, a mother's death of a child. And if you're listening, as my beautiful sister in Christ, I ask that you yield to my instruction in this. Highlight those words that we see here. Highlight the words. The words in verse, verse 14, where we read, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you. Highlight these words. And I'll go even further. I request unto you, for the mother who has lost a child, that in addition to highlighting those words, blessed be the Lord who has not left you, with a pen above the word you, 
you write just two letters, M and E, and read what has just been done with your writing. Blessed be the Lord who has not left me. There's no greater pain than a mother losing a child or a mother losing multiple children. There's no greater pain. The pain is undeniable, but there is healing. There is healing. And it's found in the Lord. Look what happens with Naomi. The people say to her, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be, may, may he be to you a, re, a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law. Speaking of Ruth, for your daughter-in-law who loves you who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Whoa. But this beautiful old woman, beautiful Naomi, there was absolutely pain. And that's an understatement. That's a major understatement because she didn't lose one child, one son. She lost two. Two boys that she birthed. She nursed and raised and taught. And now they're gone. And no one can take that pain away except only one can heal. The blessed Lord who has not left her. Look what happens here in verse 16. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women came, also the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. You see what's happening? You see what the Lord has done and what the Lord is doing? The lineage that was once broken, it continued. You see? We look at the, the, night, the, the, the night where the older man and the younger woman, Boaz and Ruth, they were alone at the threshing floor. They were all alone. But we see nothing but holiness. A man of honor, a woman of honor. She says to him, in a beautiful dress, she made herself beautiful, but at chapter one, with eyes to see, she was already beautiful. She says to him, cover me. He says, I will do that. But as the Lord lives, you know, I will do it, but there's a closer kin. I will settle this matter. And this wasn't like, you know what, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. He's a wealthy man, a lot to do. An hour of time is a big deal. Ten minutes of time to the wealthy is a big deal. Five minutes of time to the wealthy is a big deal. But to go to the city gate and sit there and wait, a matter of great importance to Boaz. You see? 
And he did become covering in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, following the Lord. And we see what the Lord does in and through people who choose to honor him and glorify him, a sweet aroma unto the Lord. We see what the Lord does. Promises of blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Remember our study in Deuteronomy 28 where the Lord, I'm paraphrasing, but he just straight up says, I'm going to blow you away with blessings. Go back and listen to our study through Deuteronomy 28. And then Deuteronomy 28, we also see promises for blessing, promises for cursing. See, balls in your court. Promises for blessing, promises for cursing. Everybody wants blessing of the Lord. Everybody wants it. There's a formula. There's effectuation. We have to understand. You see? Look at verse 18 here. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. And Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. And Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. And now we've reached the end of the book of Ruth. But before we end, we must always account for the it is also retains. Turn with me to the book of Micah, Old Testament. Turn with me really quick, the book of Micah. Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. Prophet. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, verse 2, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah. Does that sound familiar? Ephrathah, 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 Bethlehem, 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 Ephrathah. Does that sound familiar? Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little, among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Does that sound familiar? Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall abide for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and this one shall be peace you see what's happening you see what's happening the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work. Things that the Lord has put in motion many, many, many moons ago. Remember the dominoes? Where do you get me? The young theologians, where do you get the doctrine of dominoes? 
Remember the things the Lord put in motion many, many, many moons ago? The things that angels peer into, remember? For a very, very, very specific purpose. Church, it's not a social club. It's not a social club. And sometimes people get very mad at the things we teach. How dare you say this against that denomination? How dare you say this against Hebrew roots? How dare you say this against the Calvinists? How dare you say this against Reformed? How dare you say this against the money preachers? Understand, even in the dark days in which we live, the Lord is at work. And it is only, 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 only a remnant that will understand. The lovers of truth, even when it hurts. The Lord sees, the Lord knows. That's you. The Lord sees you. Male, female, young, old, I don't care about age. Boaz was an old man. Ruth, young. You see? It's only the remnant that will understand as judgment comes first to the church. It is only a remnant that prepares herself. It is only a remnant that makes herself beautiful for the soon coming bridegroom. Only the remnant. According to scripture, Genesis to Revelation, the full counsel of the word of God, because every jot will be fulfilled, every tittle will be fulfilled, and it will be fulfilled in the remnant only. I don't care what all the Mr. Populars say. Oh, but this pastor, he's a megachurch, megachurch. Oh, this pastor over here, the, 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 the top-rated TV show. Oh, this one got many books. You talking about the guy who goes grave-soaking? And all the churches that align with this church that goes grave-soaking? By what spirit would a pastor say, hey, let's go lay on the grave sites? So that we can soak up the Holy Spirit that's in the grave. By what spirit? They can say what they want. By what spirit would a man say, Hey, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. By what spirit would a man say that God is done with Israel? All these promises of God are now to the church. By what spirit would a person teach replacement theology? By what spirit? Because when you understand the word of God, you realize God is at work. God is doing something. And it's only the remnant who understand. Oh, but you know, I like this church. We have our, you know, the ladies group. We get together. We talk about this. The men's group. We get together. We talk about this. And all oh, my best friends, my best friends, my best friends. Okay, that's nice. That's nice. Don't call it church. Call it Laodicea, but don't call it church. You see? The full counsel of the word of God must be taught because God's word goes forth and God's word does not return to him void. You know, God's word returns to him with the remnant. Lovers of truth, profound lovers of truth, even when it hurts. 
even when it hurts because it's truth that says remember you were you were made sorrowful in a godly manner that's what truth does you can have all these preconceived notions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. You read the Bible, wow, Lord, you know, you don't like this about sex and you don't like this about sex and but you know, here don't forget sex is it's from the Lord. It's from the Lord. It's Satan that has corrupted it. You see? And so you can have all these preconceived notions about, you know, whatever it is, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the whole nine yards. And then you come to the Lord, you read the Bible, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, Lord, you don't like this. Wow, Lord, you don't like my crack. Wow, Lord, you don't like my yoga. Wow, Lord, you don't like my Ouija boards. Wow, Lord, you don't want me to worship Mary. Wow, Lord, you don't want me to worship angels. You don't want me to do my crystals. Wow, Lord, you don't like my gambling. And a profound love of truth helps us understand, number one. But in response to a profound love of truth, we willingly go to our knees. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Your way, not my way. I repent. You see? I do all my crystals. Lord, forgive me. I repent. Crystals, garbage. Those days are over. I do my gambling. You read the Bible. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I fall to my knees. I repent. Forgive me, Lord. Gambling days, over. The sex, the Ouija boards, the strippers, the pornography. Lord, I repent. Forgive me. Those days are over. You see? Everything aligning to the scriptures. Genesis to Revelation. It is only the remnant that understands. Only I mean, just like we, it just so happens we, we, we mentioned this on Sunday. Look at all the churches we see today. Look at all the pastors we see today. And when you look at the promises of God and you look at all these churches and all these pastors, you would say, wow, the events of the last, last days are impossible. You would say, you would think it's impossible for tribulation to come. It's impossible for perilous times to come because God promises good things. And after all, we have all these churches. We have all these pastors. So what's the problem? The defunct. That's the problem. Disqualified. That's the problem. That's why Brother James says, let not many be teachers. It's so simple. A lot of pastors today don't heed Brother James because they have no business at the pulpit. They can have their degrees. They can have their doctorates. They can have their masters. That's nice. The guy has his doctorate, honorary doctorate, and says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You do that, you'll burn in hell. You see? The guy has his degree in theology, says, hey, let's go grave soaking. The guy has his degrees and masters in theology. Oh, you know what? God is done with Israel. You see, stupid, foolish, foolishness. Now, when you understand formula, you know, it's safe to submit to this guy. He's watching out for my soul, just like the Bible teaches. We're in the last days. We're in the last days. And the way is narrow. Just like the Bible says, just like our Lord says. You see? 
Everything, it must align to the truth of God's holy word, Genesis to Revelation. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, we could have a situation where it might be an Apollos, an Apollos situation where, you know, they just need to understand more, need, need a little bit more understanding. Or it could be a situation where they have no business at the pulpit. They have no business teaching. Or it could be that they are enemies of the cross. You see, it could be that they are servants of Satan. It could be that they are wolves intent on killing the flock. You see, we look at Ruth chapter four and remember in Ruth chapter four, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. We go to Micah chapter five and what do we see? Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. We look at verse three of Micah chapter five. Until the time that she who is in labor has given birth, then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. God is at work. God is at work. The guy who says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. He wants to prevent that from happening in you. The guy who says, let's go grave soaking. He wants to prevent this in you. He wants to prevent this fulfillment in you. The guy who says God is all done with Israel. Well, Micah testifies he is not done with Israel. The guy who says teaches replacement theology. He wants to prevent the fulfillment of God's word in you. It could be that they're just stupid and they don't know what they're talking about. It could be that they're very smart and very crafty and they know exactly what they're talking about because they want to remove this fulfillment. They want to remove this promise in you to prevent you from paradise. And that's the servant of Satan. Presenting himself as a minister of righteousness, but he is an enemy of the cross. You see, they are wolves. Oh, you're so mean. You're so mean. I like this guy. You're so mean. You're so mean. I love this guy. Be very careful. You see? Because clinging to the wolf, that's like a fire. You're so mean. I don't like what you say. Look what the guy does. Look what the guy will do. You take the mark of the beast, you're going to burn in the lake of fire. You see? Oh, that's just a side issue. It's non-essential. What? I don't know about you, but hellfire, damnation, weeping, you know, gnashing of teeth. That's pretty essential. But call me crazy. It's only the remnant. Only the remnant will understand. Turn with me really quick to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And in Genesis 15, look what God does with Abraham. Genesis 15, verse 5. Then the Lord, then he, the Lord, then he brought him outside to Abraham. God and Abraham. Then he brought him outside and said, this is Genesis 15, verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, 
Look now toward the heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. That's what the Lord says to Abraham. Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to. So shall your descendants be. At this time, Abraham, he's an old man. No children. He's an old man with no children. His wife is an old woman. No children. And the Lord is saying to Abraham, look, at, look toward the heaven. Look up in the sky. Count the stars if you're able to. So shall your descendants be. Now, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew. Chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 2, Abraham, what we just read in Genesis 15, Abraham, who the Lord says, you know, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them, so shall your descendants be that Abraham. Matthew chapter 1, verse 2, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, Salmon begot Boaz, Boaz by Rahab. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Boaz, a beautiful man. Do you notice who his mom is? Rahab, the former prostitute, you see. I want to say something. If you're listening and you're a prostitute, repent and come to Christ. You're listening, you're a prostitute. I love you. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ, and you commit your life to Christ right here, right now, point blank. You come back, you listen, we grow together, and you can be like Rahab, a former prostitute. Yeah, she was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute who feared the Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what happened? She was a prostitute no more. She got cleaned up. She got cleaned up. And in her, a certain lineage continued through her. Beautiful, 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 beautiful Boaz. I'm so in love with Boaz. Look at mama. Look at Mama Rahab, former prostitute. Look at how the Lord cleaned her. And the lineage continues. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Ruth, Ruth and Boaz, we, we, we're in the book of Ruth. We just studied that. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. You see, the sin of David. And with the sin of David, there was a break in the line because the firstborn child died. There was a break in the line. And then something happened. After the sin of David, something happened. The repentance of David he got cleaned up. He got cleaned up just like Rahab. You know, she got cleaned up and boom, the line continued. 
David sinned, the line broke. You know, the, the firstborn child died. Break in the line. David repented. He got cleaned up. The line continued. Verse 7, Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. And Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz. And Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Ammon. And Ammon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. Very interesting what we see all this time along the way, something is happening. The Lord is at work. In verse 12, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud, Abiud begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor, Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Akim, and Akim begot Eliud, Eliud begot Eliezer, Eliezer begot Matan, and Matan begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. You see what's happening? All this time along the way, the Lord has been at work. Can you see? Turn with me really quick to Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And in Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Wow, you see? If you are Christ... Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Big problem happened in Galatia. That's where Paul marveled, you know, when, when Paul marveled, you know, you know, I, I, I'm blown away that you guys are turning away so soon from Jesus. That's what he says. I marvel that you're turning away so soon. Who has bewitched you? Remember? If the saints of Galatia had left Jesus attempting to be justified by the law in them, you know what would have happened? They would have broke the line that assured them of promise. They would have broken that line. No effectuation of promise. And it is Paul that brings them back so that there can be effectuation of promise. Oh, but Paul's so mean. How dare he say that? How dare he say that? Who has bewitched us? Look, this brother is a nice guy in Christ. He teaches us well. He teaches us well. He teaches us well. And he's teaching us to be more righteous. And so now we're going to do the works of the law. Because look, he, he brought his scrolls, he reads the Torah, and he teaches us the ways of Torah. You see? And Paul says, that's nice, you can think he's smart, makes no difference to me, I don't care. 
He can have his degrees. He can have his masters. He can have his doctorates. That night, what, what is it that he teaches? Because if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. That's what Paul says to the saints in Galatia. Oh, but Paul's so mean. Paul's so mean. Paul's so mean. I'm going to submit myself to Alexander. I'm going to submit myself to Hymenaeus. They whisper sweet nothings in my ear. They tell me good things. I can do my sex and they don't say anything. I can do my gambling and they don't say anything. I can do my Ouija boards. I can worship Mary. I can pray to angels. And Alexander Alexander and Hymenaeus, they tell us nothing. They tell me nothing. I can do my crystals. I can do my yoga. I can do my hot yoga. I can do my Ouija boards. Alexander, Hymenaeus, they'd say nothing. They're so nice. I go to church. I feel good about myself. But you know what else is happening? No effectuation of promise. No effectuation of promise. Because verse 29 says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, but I worship Jesus. I worship Jesus. Okay, which one? Which Christ? Don't forget Jesus, our Lord, is the one who warns us and tells us about many Christ. Remember the 999? Just so happens we mentioned this on Sunday. Remember the 999? You take a lineup of a thousand Christs, 999 Christs will take you to hell. Oh, but I worship Christ, I worship Christ. Okay, which one? You see? Oh, but you're so mean. How dare you speak about this guy? If he wants to say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. That's a non-essential. You see what's happening? Satan doesn't play like fair. Don't, don't expect Satan to play fair. Because he doesn't. He'll whisper sweet nothings to you. He'll promise you all these things, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. And if you do not love the truth, that's what that path leads toward. You see? And what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, when there is no love of the truth, it is the Lord Most High who gives strong delusion that they should believe the lie. You see, it's judgment. It's judgment. You see people who are adamant about their pastor who's a false teacher, a bona fide false teacher and speaks against sound doctrine. And you see people who are adamant. I don't care what you say. This is my pastor and I submit to him. You see, they believe the lie. Because it's God's judgment. Why? Because they have no love of the truth. They refuse to humble themselves in the eyes of the Lord. You see? 
If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember what we looked at in Genesis 15? God's promise to Abraham? That Abraham's heirs would be like the stars? You know what the Lord was doing? He was showing Abraham. Abraham, look up at the sky. Look up at the stars and count them if you're able. The Lord Most High. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was showing Abraham you. You. Heirs according to promise. You are in the book of Genesis. You are Christ's. You are in the book of Genesis. And the Lord showed Abraham. In the case of beautiful Naomi, beautiful, beautiful old woman Naomi, and she did lose her sons, and she was broken, majorly, majorly broken. The Lord didn't leave her at all. Through this merger and acquisition of Boaz, what we studied in Ruth chapter 4, that line continued. And a lot of people look to Boaz as kinsman redeemer, and they do so rightly. But when you look at Naomi, beautiful Naomi, nursing once again, we cannot forget that redemption was brought by Ruth. You see, Ruth, the Gentile woman who refused to leave Hebrew Naomi, Gentile unto Jew. You see? Ephrathah Bethlehem, God's promise. What we read in Ruth, what we read in Micah, what we reflect back to, Genesis 15, what we fast forward from Genesis and, you know, in, in our day in 2023 AD, we go back and look at from Matthew 1, the Lord is at work. Look at this family. Look at this beautiful family, heirs of Abraham. We all have biological family, heirs of Adam. But there's something better. There's something greater. There's something more beautiful. And it's heirs of Abraham. It's the family of faith. You see? Naomi. With many kin, Numer innumerable kin, just like the stars. You see? You see what the Lord can do? You see what the Lord has done? You see what the Lord is doing? You say, what do you mean what the Lord is doing? Well, if you're listening and you're not a believer, that's what I'm talking about, what the Lord is doing. Because right here, right now, point blank, hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ. And what the Lord is doing. Bringing you into the family of faith. He doesn't make robots. You have to respond to his love, his grace, and his mercy. And before we close, I want to say something to my Jewish friends. My Hebrew friends. I love you. 
To my Jewish friends, you have plenty reason to be cautious of the modern day Christians because what's happening is many are becoming apostate in fulfillment of God's holy word. And many of these apostates are dangerous to you. But as for me, as for me, I refuse to leave you. I am Gentile. You are Hebrew. And yes, redemption is coming, but redemption can be now, right here, right now. How? Moses wrote about him. Micah wrote about him. And I tell you about him, the better husband of the better marriage, Jesus, son of the most high God. Not two messiahs, one messiah, two comings. You see? Remember the winnowing that Boaz was to be doing that night, but it didn't happen? The winnowing of the better husband, it's already begun for such a time as this. You see? To the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.